The following is produced by Artisan Church. Welcome to the Artisan Church Podcast, a weekly broadcast of Artisan Church in Rochester, New York. To learn more about Artisan Church or to support the ministry, visit www.artisanchurch.com. While you're finding your seats, I'll uh, remind you that we have these special seats in the wings, and the people who are brave enough to sit there are now currently enjoying the chocolate that we use to bait people to do that. Um, Especially if you're a regular around here, we'd love to have you sit in those seats because we have a late-arriving crowd, and, and sometimes visitors come in toward the end, and we, we would like for them to be able to sneak in quietly um, rather than have to come up here. So, but there's, there's usually candy there, at least to make it a little bit more uh, enjoyable for you. Well, like many of you, I'm sure, I am anticipating some house guests this Christmas. Anybody else anticipating visitors at your your place? And my parents are coming to visit. And I know that before they arrive, there will be a flurry of activity in my house because um, my wife has dragged me kicking and screaming into a a state of some semi-civilization in my living space, and uh, <laughs> we, we need to be inviting to my parents when they come. Um, they've certainly earned it by putting up with me for all these years. Um, and so, do you have this experience, too, where the house is not exactly in a constant state of read- readiness for guests? <laughs> what are some of the things that we do when we are expecting guests? Clean the bathroom. Huh? <laughs> yes, I wouldn't have thought of that. <laughs> I'm married now. <laughs> Been married for 12 years. I probably still wouldn't have thought of that. Um, what else do we do? Wash the sheets. I wouldn't have thought of that either. Do the dishes. That one, I, they get in the way, and eventually you can't eat anymore unless you do that. So I noticed that one. Dust. Yeah. Aha. Did you hear what Matt said? Shove all your junk in a spare bedroom where no one goes. And sometimes your guests will walk by that door, which is closed and locked. <laughs> And they say, what's that room? And you go, what room? <laughs> There's no room there. A door is just decorative. Don't worry about what's in there. <laughs> we have one of those. We don't have one of those rooms. It's a problem. Um, I wish we had one of those rooms. <laughs> uh, because in, in our case, in addition to cleaning and picking up and storing miscellaneous junk in a secret place, such as might, we might have... Um, I always end up asking myself this question when I know guests are going to arrive. The question is this, where on earth am I going to put these people (laughs) in this tiny apartment? If you've been to my apartment, you know that uh, it's not a huge apartment. It's a two-bedroom apartment. Um, We have four people living there and the big dog. (laughs) So we have, uh, you know, in addition to all the normal things in your house that might be spread out nicely into rooms, my my house is kind of like every, there's stuff everywhere. (laughs) Um, neatly placed, but there's really no wiggle room. So I'm always like wondering, what am I going to do here? We have the kids and the dog and all the implements that you have for caring for kids and dogs. And um, so for 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 you, I, I imagine it might be also true that is true for me that preparing for 
guests, preparing for a visitor, especially ones that you care about the impression that they'll have, it can be a, uh, a serious undertaking, maybe a practical nightmare. Um, and we are, uh, as I mentioned earlier, in the second week of Advent today. And one of the most famous Advent phrases is the one that we will encounter today. And many of you have heard this before. It's the phrase, prepare the way of the Lord. It, probably, if you don't know anything about Advent, um, Advent is the season of the year when we, when we celebrate and anticipate Christmas. And um, the word Advent means coming or to come, and that's so we are anticipating the coming of Jesus. And it's celebrated for the four weeks leading up to Christmas Day. And uh, if you are... If you only know a little bit about Advent, you probably have heard this phrase, prepare the way of the Lord. It's probably the most famous biblical phrase related to Advent. Um, it's, a, it's, a, it's something that we hear very often at this time of year, and it actually comes from the traditional Advent readings uh, assigned to us this week. I mentioned last week, I'll say it again, that during this time of year and some other times of year, we, we derive our scripture usage from a resource called the Revised Common Lectionary which simply assigns uh, four or five biblical texts for each Sunday of the church year on a three-year cycle. And so I I say that to orient you to what we're going to do today with Scripture, but also to recommend it to you as a devotional aid. If you are looking to read the Bible but don't know where to begin, um, some people say start at Genesis and read until you fall asleep. Um, I don't necessarily recommend that as a way to encounter the Bible (laughs) for the first time, but you could use Google or or something and find the Revised Common Lectionary online, and it will assign you scripture passages to read every week. And you'll have the benefit of the times of the year when we're using them in, in worship that they'll be kind of in sync with your own devotional life. So something to consider using the lectionary for yourself. But what I'd like to do now is share some of the Advent Bible readings with you, and then I want to talk about how the ideas they contain might um, help us uh, figure out what, what this means to prepare the way of the Lord. Before I jump into that, I want to pray a prayer. It's a very brief prayer, and it, this, is, this comes from a 7th and 8th century saint of the church known as the Venerable Bede, B-E-D-E, who is a, a monk in what is now England. And this is a, a beautiful prayer um, <clears throat> that I'd like to, uh, to use as our to kind of preparing our hearts for this. I pray you, merciful Jesus that as you graciously granted me to drink down sweetly from the word that tells of you, so you will kindly grant that I may come at length to you, the fount of all wisdom, and stand before your face forever. Amen. The first reading is from the Gospel of Mark, and I'd like to ask you to stand together for the reading of the Gospel. This is Mark 1, the very beginning of Mark's gospel, and uh, 1 through 8 is the passage that the lectionary actually assigns. I'm only going to read the first four verses for today's purposes. The beginning of the good news of Jesus Christ, the Son of God, as it is written in the prophet Isaiah, see, I am sending my messenger ahead of you who will prepare your way. The voice of one crying out in the wilderness, prepare the way of the Lord, Make his paths straight. John the baptizer 
appeared in the wilderness, proclaiming a baptism of repentance for the forgiveness of sins. You can be seated. So that's the starting point for our our conversation today, prepare the way of the Lord. And of course, there's a historical side to this, uh, which Mark alludes to. We're going to get to that in a minute. Um, But there's also a spiritual side to preparing the way of the Lord. And that ultimately, I think, is is the most important thing for us to consider today. And so I want you to keep that in the front of your minds, even as we're talking about Um, Hebrew prophets and how they relate to the New Testament documents and that kind of thing. We may get slightly academic, but I don't want us to lose sight of the spiritual side of this conversation, which is is most important. Um, Because preparing the way of the Lord in our own hearts is what we'd eventually like to get to at the end of this time today. And our hearts are somewhat in disarray most of the time, much like our houses and so if you're preparing house, for house guests, you have all that work to do. If you're preparing to receive Jesus at this time of year, we have some work to do in our own lives and hearts as well. And um, you may have noticed on the way in a worship meditation. This is another quotation from a, a very old saint of the church known as Origen. And this, he, he speaks to this, this spiritual path that that we need to prepare for the Lord. He says, the Lord wants to find in you a path by which he can enter your souls and make his journey. Prepare for him the straight path. And so as we move forward, I'd like to ask you to keep that at the front of your mind. Okay, so Mark, as you noticed at the very end of that bit that I read, begins his his gospel, his story of, of Jesus with another character, John the Baptist. And what he says is that John the Baptist is actually the, the person who fulfills an Old Testament prophecy. We think of Jesus as fulfilling Old Testament prophecies, but in this case, Mark is saying that John the Baptist fulfilled a particular Old Testament prophecy. And Mark specifically cites the prophet Isaiah. And so I'd like to read to you the passage that he's referring to. It happens to be the Old Testament passage that is assigned to go with this gospel passage for this reading in Advent, and so that's convenient. If you'd like to read along with me in, in these passages, you can use the Bibles that you brought with you. If you have one with you, you can also use the red ones underneath your chair, and we put page, page numbers in those. Uh, uh, the page numbers on the screen refer to these red Bibles. This uh, is from Isaiah chapter 40. And by the way, if you do not own a Bible and would like to have one, please take one of these as our gift to you. We have uh, plenty of them, and they they keep printing them, so we can always buy more. What I'd like to ask you to do as I read this passage is listen for the tone and the feel and whatever kind of emotional response you might have to this. This is, um, this is the prophecy that Mark is referring to that is fulfilled in John the Baptist. Comfort, O comfort my people, says your God. Speak tenderly to Jerusalem and cry to her that she has served her term, that her penalty is paid, that she has received from the Lord's hand double for all her sins. A voice cries out, and here's the part that Mark quotes, In the wilderness prepare the way of the Lord. Make straight in the desert a highway for our God. Every valley shall be lifted up, and every mountain and hill be made low. The uneven ground shall become level, and the rough places a plain. Then the glory of the Lord shall be revealed, and all people shall see it together. For the mouth of the Lord has spoken. 
Isn't that a beautiful passage? I was, I've read this passage a few times this week as I was preparing for today, and, and the closer we got to today, the more I was moved by that passage and the beauty of it. And uh, I often talk about how the, the Bible has different types of literature, and some of them appeal to the, uh, the more poetic side of our person, and some of them appeal to the more analytical side of our person. And, of course, all of us have one side that we favor more than the other, and I'm, I'm, uh, I'm a humanities type of person, and so I love the poetry in this passage, especially the stuff in verse 4 uh, about how the, the, this, the landscape, which is rough and rocky and difficult and up and down and uneven, will be smoothed out by, by this, when this prophecy is fulfilled, when this, when this voice cries out in the, in the wilderness, we know that that is the trigger for for the valleys to be brought up and the hills and the mountains to be brought low and the rugged places to be made like a, like a plain, like a field. And, of course, you have the, the opening words of this passage, comfort, oh, comfort my people. And so would you agree with me that this particular passage is, is uh, somewhat soft and reassuring? And it, it seems to be right in line with what we think of as the peacefulness of Christmas that we are so eagerly anticipating during Advent. Well, in the writings of another Old Testament prophet, this is one that Mark does not quote, but it's close enough in the language that he could have quoted the prophet Malachi. And I'm going to read to you now just a few verses from Malachi chapter 3. And I'd like to ask you again, as I'm reading this, listen for the tone and the feeling and whatever emotional response you might have from this. Malachi is the last book in the Old Testament. I'm going to read Malachi chapter 3, verses 1 and 2, and then skip ahead to verse 5. This opens with some of the same language. It will sound very familiar. See, I am sending my messenger to prepare the way before me. And the Lord whom you seek will suddenly come to his temple. The messenger of the covenant in whom you delight. Indeed, he is coming, says the Lord of hosts. But who can endure the day of his coming? And who can stand when he appears? For he is like a refiner's fire and like fuller's soap. Ahead to verse 5. Then I will draw near to you for judgment. I will be swift to bear witness against the sorcerers, against the adulterers, against those who swear falsely, against those who oppress the hired workers in their wages, the widow and the orphan, against those who thrust aside the alien and do not fear me, says the Lord of hosts. So that one, maybe not quite as comforting, is it? Instead of comfort, oh, comfort my people, and this idea of reconciliation and restoration, we are confronted with the idea of judgment. And it's instead of, instead of feeling calmed and peaceful by this passage, I, I personally, and maybe you would agree with me, feel almost a sense of foreboding, even fear, at the coming of the Lord. And so what we have is two passages that, from the Old Testament prophecies that are, that are both, I think, fulfilled by this event in the New Testament. But they say very different things about what to expect when that event happens. 
two rather different pictures of the coming of Jesus. And so I have a couple of questions that I would like you to answer for yourself. And then I'm actually going to have you um, answer this together for just a few minutes as well. The first question is this one. It's, very, it's a very personal question. You should be able to answer it fairly quickly. Of those two passages, the Isaiah passage that speaks of comfort and uh, restoration and reconciliation, and the Malachi passage which speaks of uh, who can endure the day of his coming and, and has those ideas of judgment in it, which of those two stirs your heart more today? Are you moved um, to an emotional response more by one of those than the other? And if so, which one is it? You can probably answer that very quickly for yourself just based on uh, your response as I read them the first time. But if you, can't, if you haven't already thought about it, think about that. Um, and the second question is this. This is maybe a little more difficult, and you probably spend a little bit more time talking about this with your neighbor in just a minute. How do you think it's possible for us as people of faith who accept the entire Bible as uh, inspired and true to put those two ideas together in a way that makes sense and holds them both as true? Does that question, is that clear? If we have these two ideas which seem to conflict with one another or at least don't have the same tone, what can we, what can we say about them that helps us to understand how they could maybe both be true? All right. So we don't do this every week. If you're a visitor and this kind of thing freaks you out, um, don't worry. We won't do it probably next week. We probably won't do it for a little while. But, but for today, we're going to try this. I'd like you to talk to the person next to you for just a few minutes, maybe four or five minutes, and share your answer of those two questions. The first question, which of them stirred your heart a little bit more than the other? And the second question, um, how can we put those two things together in a way that makes sense and is consistent with what we believe about the Bible? And if you are not sitting next to someone already, you may have to travel a little bit but that's okay. Um, and if you are really uncomfortable with this kind of thing, you can certainly opt out by just not making eye contact or by conveniently needing to go freshen up your coffee right now. <laughs> and that is more than okay. To be honest with you, if I was visiting a church and they did this, I would go freshen my coffee. Um, there I said it. Okay, so take four or five minutes and, and have that conversation together.
Okay, you're about halfway through the time that I'll give you, so if somebody hasn't shared yet, that would be a chance to do it now. About one more minute. All right, let's look, uh, let's look at this together a little bit. First thing I'd like to do is, is poll the room. How many of you uh, answered that your heart was more stirred by the first passage, the comfort, comfort my people, one from Isaiah? Show of hands. Okay. And then how many of you... Um, were, were stirred in your heart or jolted awake a little bit by that second passage, who can endure the day of his coming? That's, that's almost exactly 50-50, which is really interesting because I gave a, a version of this message at uh, Geneseo's InterVarsity chapter on Friday, and the exact same thing happened. It was almost half and half. Um, interesting. That confirms a, a, a guess that I would have made, actually, but... So then, um, let's take a minute or two. Does anybody have a really great answer for that second one that your, uh, that your friend came up with that you'd like to share? <laughs> uh, Liz, you, you, yes. Okay, so that answer suggests that it's just the nature of humanity that we need to hear both of those things. Is that a fair summary of what you're saying? Interesting. Good. Yes. 
Oh, you cheater. <laughs> mm. Yes. Uh, very great point. So uh, is Paul, right? Um, said that he read ahead in Malachi and found the verse that says, Return to me and I will return to you, says the Lord. And so it, the way this works, he's suggesting, is that if we return to him, we get Isaiah. <laughs> and if we don't return to him, we get stuck with Malachi. <laughs> that's, a, that's a very interesting point. Yes. Anybody else have a, a response to that idea? Yeah. Dan. Hmm. Both a warning and guidance. Yeah. Interesting. Interesting. So the, the, what you said at the end there is very interesting as well, that the process of responding to that guidance that we find in Malachi is how we prepare the way. That's exactly how we do it. You want to give the sermon next week? Cause, uh... <laughs> Anybody else have a thought about that? Yes, Jonathan. Interesting. Right. <laughs> if you didn't hear what Jonathan said, he said that um, Isaiah uses flowery language, but the process that, process that it describes is actually destructive, uh, bringing valleys up and bringing mountains down. And, um, yeah, <laughs> that's, a, that's a good point. You need, a, you need like, a, a, a digger or a, a, <laughs> a bulldozer or something to, to do what, the work of what's in Isaiah. So it's not exactly as comfortable as maybe it feels. Interesting. Or a bomb. <laughs> Anybody else have, a, have insight? These are all good. I like them all. Yeah. That's an interesting point. Matt suggested that we, we kind of make a, a mess of our lives already and that, that the consequences of that mess, which you know, we would call sin, are, are sometimes built into what, to, to the judgment that, that God brings. Um, yeah, interesting point. And it's also interesting to me uh, when, when the sin for which we are to be judged, or you know, the people of Israel, I guess, was the original um, hearers of this prophecy, but the sins for which they would be judged are an interesting set of sins. If you look at the Malachi 3, 5, um, it's not the kind of stuff that you see people carrying billboards about, really. <laughs> um, we won't go into that right now, though. Anybody else? Maybe one more great explanation for how we can hold these two ideas together. Yes.
Interesting. So the, the passages start in the same place, but the, the, the talk in Isaiah of, of leveling the landscape could be understood to mean leveling the playing field, including for the people who are oppressed, um, as mentioned in Malachi. Interesting. Lucky that we have John and Adrian back with us today so that we could get that insight through Seth. <laughs> well, I'd like to point one thing out here, that all of these great responses, I think, are true and accurate in one sense or another. And we don't actually get the benefit of, of all of that insight unless we do something like this on a Sunday morning. You, you get the uh, benefit, air quotes, of my insight, <laughs> um, but you don't necessarily get the benefits of each other's insight. And I think it's one of the really great things about looking at Scripture together. And so if you don't have a an opportunity in your life to do that sometimes, I would recommend you find an opportunity. And we have small groups that that afford that opportunity to you. And if you'd like to know more about that, you can talk to Pastor Mike, who's uh, up in the wings here. Um, and uh, that's something that we're going to try to, we are trying to emphasize in the coming year. So um, just be aware of that and recognize the, the wisdom that comes from sharing together on something like this. <clears throat> Well, let me wrap up here, and I want to say that because I believe the Bible is true, I am led to conclude, as some of you were, that we need to take both sides of the coin, so to speak, seriously. We need to listen seriously not only to reconciliation, but also to judgment. And the nature of life, as somebody else pointed out already, is that you will usually need to hear one of those messages more than the other. And it's interesting to me that in my polling of the congregation this morning, we had almost a 50-50 split about people who were stirred in their hearts more by one, or by one as, as were stirred in their hearts by the other. And so let me say that I think it's likely that the one that stirred your heart today as you heard it and as you looked at it is probably the one that the Holy Spirit wants to use to speak to you uh, today and then maybe throughout the rest of our season of Advent as we prepare for Jesus, as we think of what it means to prepare the way of the Lord, I would suggest to you that whichever one of these concepts is stirring in your heart today might be one that you'd like to give some attention to in the coming weeks before we get to Christmas. And so what I'd like to do is give you two brief ideas, and they are very specific ideas for how you might respond to either of those passages, and it's uh, stirring in your heart. And hopefully these will be useful to you and maybe inspire you to think um, about what's going on in your own life. But at this point, we are off the book, literally. We are out of the Bible and into my personal suggestions, which I'm basing on um, some educated guesses about what might be going on in your life. And so, uh, as Dumbledore once said, if this doesn't work for you, feel quite free to uh, ignore it. (laughs) Um, or or occupy your mind elsewhere for just a minute. Some of you are in need of the comfort that Jesus offers and the comfort that comes along with the peace of Christmas. And the suggestion that I would have for those of you who are in that boat is this. You might consider slowing down your life just a little bit. You might consider what it would look like to press pause somewhat, on your activities, uh, not only the practical activities of preparing for the holidays, but also the spiritual activities 
of trying to engage with God and what God might be sharing with you during this season? Did I just ask you to press pause on your spiritual life and on your devotions? Yes, I did. Um, Because I think one of the greatest and most effective acts of devotion is to practice the spiritual discipline of silence. Not just trying to create peace in your house with candles and lights and soft music, but by trying, but, but, but trying to create peace in your spiritual life and in your journey with God by shutting off some of the noise that you are pushing in to it. Especially this time of year, we get our brains so worked up about the, the spirit of Christmas and trying to obtain that and practice it and believe it and live it out and show it and demonstrate it and everything else. And what we actually need to do is just shut up for a minute. Just sit down in quiet. Literally, sometimes a minute is, is much more silence than you will otherwise experience in the next few weeks. So if you're looking for God's comfort and you're having trouble finding it, and that passage was coming alive in your heart and burning a little bit, you might want to simply find some time for silence. And it doesn't have to be a very long time, but try it. Again, that's a specific recommendation, and if you'd like to say, no, that doesn't, I don't think so, then, you know, that's okay. Now, others of you might need to take the idea of Christ's judgment into consideration this Advent. And if that passage was stirring in your heart a little bit, and if you feel somewhat convicted and, and maybe judged by God, please don't feel judged uh, by me or by your peers, because Jesus calls us not to, to judge one another, but that doesn't mean we get to escape judgment altogether. In fact, if you look at what happens at the end of everything when Jesus comes, it's pretty much all about judgment for a good portion of that story. Uh, but if you're feeling the judgment of God somewhat this this season. My specific suggestion for you is give some consideration to your decision-making process. How do you decide what you're going to do and what you're not going to do? Are you intentional and careful? Or do you allow yourself to be tossed around by your circumstances because you don't think ahead? And that really is, I believe, a binary situation. In other words, it's one or the other. If you do not make decisions intentionally and carefully, you will be tossed around by the circumstances of life. You can live life or you can have life live you, and those are basically your only two options, in my opinion. You can't control everything, but you can control how you respond to everything. And so, as you're thinking ahead to the rest of this holiday season, there are times, there are events, there are occasions that you will be able to anticipate where you are going to be presented with the option of doing what is right or doing what is wrong. And it's up to you how you respond to those. You know you're going to that Christmas party where that person will be who will cause you to have that reaction, whatever it might be. And you know that you can decide not to go to the party or to anticipate it and and avoid that person or whatever it might be. You, You know that whenever you pack the car to go visit grandma, you get so pissed off at your spouse that you have an argument. You can see that pattern. Just look back through your life. Scott. (laughs) And when it comes time to pack the car, just, just intentionally be a little bit more gracious. 
you know that when you take your child to the store and he or she goes past the toy aisle, that you get so annoyed by all the sounds and flashing lights that you lose your patience with a, with a little person who really didn't do anything wrong. So would you please just think ahead about that? Either don't go or don't go past the aisle or don't bring the kid or, or heaven forbid, anticipate that you're going to respond that way and, and try to control it a little bit better. Okay, so I realize these are very specific ideas and, and some of them are not going to uh, make any sense for everybody in the room and that's okay. Um, but I hope that at the very least they will inspire you to something that does make more sense for you. And so I'd like to close with one last bit of Advent Scripture. This is the last reading that the lectionary prescribes for today, the second Sunday of Advent in this year. And it's from 2 Peter chapter 3. I read some of the verses at our confession time earlier. I'm going to skip around and read three of the verses here. It's actually verse 9, verse 14, and verse... 17, I think, um, 17 and 18. If you'd like to follow along, you can. But perhaps you would just hear these words, and let's make this our prayer for preparing the way of the Lord in our own hearts, as St. Origen said, during this Advent season. The Lord is not slow about His promise, as some think of slowness, but is patient with you, not wanting any to perish, but all to come to repentance Therefore, beloved, while you are waiting for these things, strive to be found by him at peace without spot or blemish. You therefore, beloved, since you are forewarned, beware that you are not carried away with the error of the lawless and lose your own stability, but grow in the grace and knowledge of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. To him be the glory both now and to the day of eternity. Amen. Our response to hearing the word of God proclaimed is the same today as it is every time we come together to worship him. And that's to receive the bread and the cup at the table of communion. And regardless of how God might be stirring your heart this morning... This is a place of responsiveness that you might want to take advantage of. And if you are seeking to follow Jesus and do his will in this place, and you have placed your faith and trust in him, uh, this table is available to you. You don't need to be a part of uh, a member of our church or a part of our particular denomination. Uh, all you need to do to be is a member of the family of God in his son, Jesus. And so uh, as we continue to worship him in song, I'd invite you to come as he leads, and you can tear off a piece of the bread and dip it in either the wine or the juice, whatever is more appropriate for you and your family. If you would like to have your children participate in this, and that would be appropriate, you are um, permitted to do so. They're uh, probably in the classroom right now at the other end of the building. Um, and if not, you can take communion first and then go get them, and that's fine. Today, for the first time, uh, we have a gluten-free option for the bread. Um, because we do have some people with gluten sensitivity here, and uh, one of them was kind enough to bring it in, and that's on the red plate in the middle. We don't have a sign today, but we'll have a sign in the future. I just want you to know that's available to you, and you're more than welcome to participate fully in communion today, um, perhaps for the first time in a while uh, at Artisan. Um, and if you're not following Jesus uh, yet, we'd love to have you here in this place, and that's okay, and it's, it's perfectly fine and acceptable for you to sit and meditate or pray and think 
and uh, issue this part of the service, and that's all right. Um, but I would ask you to respond to God in whatever way he's leading and calling you to do so. And let's continue to worship him together.